Jack Lemmon is ex-president Kramer. Yeah. So a message from the president. We go. Thanks, Jim. Jim's off today, sir. I'm Bruce. Oh, sorry. You and Jim look very much alike. Jim's black, sir. Yeah, I know, but you're both tall. James Garner is ex-president Douglas. I can't believe I just did it with Matt Douglas. My mother has a commemorative plate with your face on it. Apparently, I'm dishwasher safe. Dan Aykroyd is current president Haney. Not so fast, Carl. Slow down. You know, I don't like people running faster than I do. It makes me look pokey. Kramer and Douglas always ran against each other. Let's talk about popularity. There was only one assassination attempt on me. You had three. Two. The woman in Phoenix doesn't count. You only had a starter pistol. Stop. But now... Mr. President, I'm afraid a situation's come up. Here it is. They've discovered a cover-up. We've had that buried for years. ...of presidential proportions. Somebody wants us dead. When they find out we're not, they're going to come looking for us. And they're running together. One, two... God, that felt good. We'll go public. Without evidence, the people will believe us. Why? Because we're presidents. Okay, they won't believe us. Let's stop talking. We're about to bond. It'll make me vomit. Jack Lemmon. I was Time Magazine's man of the year. So was Hitler. Not twice. Shoot him! James Garner. Give me a sip. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm about to share my coffee with the Washington love machine. You could spit in a Petri dish and start a whole new civilization. Dan Aykroyd. Vice President Matthews going to this thing? Yes, sir. Well, let's remind him that these people are from the Netherlands, not the nether regions. John Hurd as the vice president. And Lauren Bacall. It's a crock, and we both know it. It's a kick in the... Sorry, sweetheart. Please, I'm a politician's wife. I have a set of my own. In a story about life, liberty, and the pursuit of two presidents. Over there! Just blend in. Just blend in. This is amazing. Not really. We march in these things all the time. What are you doing here? Are you coming out? No, no, I'm not coming out. He is. Oh, my God. He squeezed from my breast again. My fellow Americans. I'm hot. Ah. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. I'm your host, Scott White. And what are we looking at this time? We're looking at the movie My Fellow Americans. Starring Jack Lemmon, James Garner, Dan Aykroyd, John Hurd, Wilford Brimley, and Lauren Pacall. It's a pretty big, pretty stacked cast we have in this movie. A lot of character actors, a lot of great character actors in this movie. You'll see a lot of actors who are going to be on their way up, making their first couple of roles. A very, very intricate, very, very nice cast in this movie. The movie starts with Edwin Newman, who was a newscaster at the time. This movie takes place in 1996. There's an 11-year time jump within the first 30 seconds of this movie. So let me explain. Edwin Newman is talking about the two candidates who are running for president. And it's Jack Lemmon as a Republican and James Gardner as a Democrat. And then we see that Jack Lemmon has won. And Dan Aykroyd is Jack Lemmon's vice president at the time. And his wife is Lauren Bacall. So we see that. Then there's... A time jump of four years, and James Gardner has won. He has defeated Jack Lemmon. Now he's president, and we see four years. And then Dan Aykroyd is now president. Dan Aykroyd defeated James Gardner. 
And then we do a time jump of three years from president to president to president. And right now, currently, this is Dan Aykroyd's first term, third year. So he has one year left on his presidency. And this all takes place within all the opening credits. When the credits are done, the time jumps are done. And now we're at where we are, 1996, the present when this movie was made. One thing we have also established is Dan Aykroyd's vice president is John Hurd. And John Hurd is a bit of a moron. That's what we see at the beginning of the movie. He's not too bright. And I'm not saying they did this, but I think he was sort of modeled after Dan Quayle, the vice president who people did not think was too bright. So John Hurd is doing a poor man's Dan Quayle impression. Then the credits stop and we see Jack Lemon, And Jack Lemon is making a speech. And he's at this Japanese convention and he is talking about the best salesperson of the year. What we find out is that Jack Lemon never turns down a personal appearance. He's always doing things. He's written seven books. He's made tons of personal appearances. He will just, as they say in the movie, he'll just whore himself out for anything. And that is his idea of staying in the people's eye. And we start the movie with him making a speech at this Japanese company and their salesperson of the year. And he announces the salesperson of the year. And there's this big gala and music starts. And all of a sudden this giant panda comes out. And this giant panda starts dancing around the stage. And the giant panda grabs Jack Lemon and starts dancing with him. And Jack Lemon is not happy about this at all. The damn thing just grabbed me. What the hell am I supposed to do? Knock it down? You handled it very well, sir. Oh, you think so, Caldwell? Yes, sir. Well, tomorrow morning, there's going to be a picture of me dancing with a giant dog in every newspaper on this planet. I believe it was a panda, sir. The dark fur around the eyes, the light abdominal. Well, why a Japanese company would choose to I have don't a care. Did Jefferson dance with a bear? Did Lincoln? Did Reagan foxtrot with a friggin' panda? I could check, sir. The point is, I was president of the United States. I don't dance with animals. Now we cut to James Gardner, and he's crawling out of bed with this woman. And who is this woman? Marge Helgenberger. I think that's her name. Who was made famous by CSI. Well, this is one of her early film roles. And she is James Gardner's editor. And he's just written a book, and he's just had sex with her. So the two characteristics of the presidents are Jack Lemmon is extremely, extremely cheap and will do anything for money and exposure. And James Gardner is a ladies' man. He is always after the ladies. That's what's cost him his marriage. He is actually getting a divorce. But his editor says his book is no good. He knows his book is no good. He's just writing a book to pass the time. He wants another shot at the presidency. Not being president has really just weighed heavy on him uh, during these last three years. So he's just writing a book just to write a book. He really doesn't care if it's good or not. James Gardner comes out of the elevator and his Secret Service men just run at him. He continually shakes his Secret Service men. He, he doesn't like having them around. And they're just trying to do their job and he doesn't want them around. He's just tired of it. And he says, has there ever been an assassination attempt 
on a president who hasn't been in office. And they say no. I don't know if that's true or not, but they say there's been no assassination for any president who has not been in office. And he tells him, James Gardner tells his guys, just relax, rent in the line of fire just one more time. (laughs) I thought that was a nice joke. Well, we find out that both presidents, James Gardner, Jack Lemmon, they have to go to a funeral. A very high-ranking general has died. We see James Gardner. He gets to Air Force One. And he walks in, and he just looks around, and he's just, he's home. He's like, this is where I need to be. And he sees this chair. And sitting in the chair is Jack Lemon. Now, we haven't really established this, but Jack Lemon and James Gardner hate each other. They hate each other. There's no mutual respect. There is no nothing between them. And they just go at each other in the plane. They just start nitpicking at each other all the time. And then they say, we're going to a funeral. Can't we at least act dignified during a funeral? And James Gardner says, I can do it. And Jack Lemon says, well, I can do it too. They get to the funeral and they just start calling each other's names during a funeral. They can't even hold it together during a funeral. That's how much they dislike each other. Now we cut to Dan Aykroyd in his office. He's on a stationary bike. He's watching the funeral on the television. And his chief of staff comes in. And his chief of staff is really, really worried because he thinks that somebody is going to uncover Olympia. And when he says Olympia, Dan Aykroyd's eyes just light up. Dan Aykroyd says, I thought we buried that. And his chief of staff is, well, apparently we didn't bury it deep enough. And then they hatch a plan. This all happened while Jack Lemon was president and Dan Aykroyd was a vice president. And Dan Aykroyd admits this. He goes, Jack Lemon, he didn't know anything about this. This was all me. And his chief of staff is like, that doesn't matter. What would be great is if we could place the blame on him... That way, you're in the clear, no scandal, and we can get you in for another four years. So that's what they decide to do. You think Dan Aykroyd is going to play it straight. It's like he had nothing to do with it. But Dan Aykroyd's a bad guy in this movie. He's a bad guy. He's a bad president in this movie. And just to say this, Dan Aykroyd is uh, no stranger to playing presidents. He did... Richard Nixon and Jimmy Carter, while he was on Saturday Night Live, those were two of his main characters that he did. He was also in another political comedy, The Campaign, starring Will Ferrell and Zach Galifianakis. And I did a podcast on that as well. So when you're done listening to this one, if you want to check that one out, I would appreciate it. Then we cut to the television and we see John Hurd on the television. Once again, Dan Aykroyd... Dan Aykroyd knows that he's stupid. I think this might be one of the one of those things is a lot of a lot of insecure people will keep people who are not as bright as them around so they can always feel superior. And I'm guessing this is what's happened here. Dan Aykroyd didn't want any bright, smart vice president to sneak up on him and try to usurp him. So he got John Hurd who's just a total moron. And during the funeral on national television, he quotes the dead, the dead general's favorite song, Muskrat Love. So I'm guessing we're at the wake that's after the funeral. 
and a lot of people are there, and this reporter comes up to Jack Lemon and says, there is a scandal brewing, and he is involved, and Jack Lemon's like, I know my nose is clean, but she is pretty, pretty insistent that there's something brewing, and this gets Jack Lemon nervous, and it also brings his wife Lauren Pacall to his side, and she says, if you kept your nose clean, you got nothing to worry about, and he just gives her like a look like, I'm in politics, okay? Even if you are clean, that doesn't mean anything to these people. Then Wilford Brimley, who's in this movie, he goes up to James Gardner. And Wilford Brimley is the head of the uh, Democratic Party. And he also knows about the scandal. The scandal is this. There was a contractor in the White House and he gave the kickback to Jack Lemmon when he was president. But a lot of people don't think that the contractor is telling the truth. And Wilford Brimley is one of the people who don't think the contractor is telling the truth. And he is also a friend of this contractor. And James Gardner is also a friend of this contractor. And they want to get the straight poop on what's going on. So they can maybe use this against the Republicans. But they want to get the right information. They want to know, because if it's against... Jack Lemon, that doesn't do him any good. Jack Lemon's already out of office. But if it's against Dan Aykroyd, that's something they can use against him in the next election. And Wilford Brimley says if James Gardner goes and talks to this contractor, the Democratic Party will back him for the next election. So James Gardner looks at this like a win-win situation. He doesn't like Dan Aykroyd and he hates Jack Lemon. So he gets to take down at least one person that he doesn't like. And if he's running for president, that's just going to help him in the long run. So James Gardner says, yes, I will do this. I'll talk to my old friend, the contractor. Next, there is a golf tournament and all the players are there. Jack Lemon, James Gardner, Dan Aykroyd, John Hurd. They're all playing in this golf tournament. And Jack Lemon sort of saunters up next to Dan Aykroyd and says... I'm keeping my eye on He's basically letting him know that he knows something's going on and he's not going to let it lie. And then James Gardner comes up to both of them and says, I know something's going on and I'm not going to let it lie. Everybody knows something's going on. Everybody knows that somebody is dirty. They just haven't found out who or what is going on yet. But the wheels are turning and Dan Aykroyd looks really, really nervous when he is confronted first by Jack Lemon and then by James Gardner. And then John Hurd steps up to the tee and slices it and hits a guy in the head. And it happens to be a black gentleman. And while he's getting carted away, he makes it worse by saying that black people don't golf. This is before Tiger Woods. That black people don't really participate in golf. And since they're in all the other sports, maybe he's just babbling on and on and on and making it worse for him and making it worse for the office because all these reporters are just sitting around taking down. So we're really establishing that John Hurd is not the sharpest spoon in the shed. This is a part, except for a few scenes, Dan Aykroyd disappears from the movie. He's gone. And he got third billing above the title and he is gone for a good hour 
maybe more of this movie. You don't see him. You don't hear for him. Maybe there's a little clip in there. But I have an idea why that happened. And I'll let you know in a second. We cut to a hotel room with Jack Lemmon and Lauren Bacall. And Jack Lemmon finds out who this contractor is. So now he knows the guy that's going to squeal on him, so to speak, or lie about him. And there's just a scene in the hotel room with Lauren Bacall and Jack Lemmon. And it's really, really nice. It's just two old pros you know, they play well off of each other. You believe that they're a married couple. You believe that they still get along after all these years. You still believe they're in love. And it was just really nice to see two old Hollywood heavyweights doing a scene together. I really, really enjoyed it, and I was really, really happy. And that's basically the end of Lauren Bacall in this movie. We don't get to see a lot of her. We see her a little bit at the beginning... This is her big scene right here, and a little bit with her at the end. But basically, she's gone for the rest of the movie, which is something that occurred to me. This movie is Jack Lemmon and James Garner. This is them. But Dan Aykroyd got his name above the title as well, which I thought would make sure that he was in the movie a lot more than he is. He's not in the movie a lot either. He disappears for a huge, huge chunk of this movie. This, to me, was sort of the part where you get Anne Dan Aykroyd at the end of credits. But the Anne Dan Aykroyd in this movie is Anne Lauren Bacall. She gets the Anne Lauren Bacall, so they put Dan Aykroyd above the credits. It's just a weird thing I noticed, but I did notice it. Anyway, so Jack Lemmon... He goes to this contractor and says, you're lying. Why are you lying? And the guy's like, that's the way I remember it, Mr. President. You told me I had to give you kickback, and I'm just going to give you kickback. He And Jack Lemon storms out of the room. It's like, this ain't over. And the minute he leaves, James Gardner gets into the office, and he's, he's like, let's go for a walk. And he's saying, you know what? We know you're lying. Tell us who the real person is. Tell us who the real person who has the kickback is. So this contractor... He's getting nervous, and he calls the president's chief of staff. These two guys were in my office. You said there wouldn't be any problem. I would just go. I would just testify, and it would be over. Now these guys are pressuring me, and the contractor is hes sweating it out. And the chief of staff hangs up the phone, and he turns to this colonel sitting in his office and says, uh, this contractor, he's getting cold feet. And the colonel says, well, maybe I'll have to have a word with him. Now, we've established that the colonel is the chief bad guy in this movie. Now we go to a book signing with both James Gardner and Jack Lemmon. And James Gardner is there, and he is pissed because Jack Lemmon wrote a cookbook. James Gardner's out of his head. It's like, he wrote a cookbook. He's a president, for God's sake. Show a little dignity. And his publisher's like, well, he did cook for people when he were at the White House, and James Gardner's like, that's just because it would save money. Well, while James Gardner is signing his books, the contractor's secretary comes up with him and says, will you sign this book? And he opens it up, and it tells James Gardner to meet the contractor at a certain place at a certain time. So he acknowledges that. But now James Gardner has to get away from his security men, and he realizes there's a guy there with a sandwich for him. It's like, I've got your sandwich, Mr. President. And the president just wanders over to his security men and say, 
I didn't order a sandwich. And the security men tackle the sandwich guy, and he's yelling, it's just a turkey on rye. And this allows the president to slip away. And while he's slipping away, we see the secretary, she's in line. She's in Jack Lemon's line as well. So obviously she's going to give him the same message. We see James Gardner. He's walking towards the car. Right before he gets in the car, he's served with a subpoena from his ex-wife. And while all this is being done, the contractor is in the car. A car pulls up to the contractor, shoots him in the head, and drives away. And James Gardner is about to get in the car. He sees this dead body in the car. And at just at that moment, Jack Lemon walks up. He's like, what, what the hell's going on? James Gardner says he's dead. And he's like, we got to get out of here. We can't be two ex-presidents standing next to a dead body. So they move away. And while they're moving away, a car comes up, just pushes the body away, and tows the car out of there. James Gardner's like, is there a safe place we can talk? And Jack Lemon knows, I know a safe place. And they go to Jack Lemon's daughter's house. And they're sitting there, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. They both got the same message to meet him there, and now he's dead. And while they're at the daughter's house, Secret Service shows up and says, Mr. President, you're wanted at Camp David. The president wants to talk to you. And they put him into... Uh, this helicopter. I know there's a name for the helicopter. I just can't think of it. It's not Air Force One. That's the plane. But presidential helicopter. And they're in the helicopter. And then James Gardner looks out the window and says, it shouldn't take that long to get to Camp David. And the pilot says, we're not going to Camp David. So now James Gardner and Jack Lemmon both know there's something wrong. There's something not right in this situation. And while they were at his daughter's house, Jack Lemon was playing with a squirt gun with his grandchild, and he happened to have the gun with him. So he puts the gun to one of the pilot's heads, and James Gardner takes the gun out of the other pilot's holster and says, land the chopper. And they land the chopper, and they get off. But while they're walking through the woods, the chopper is following them. And then Jack Lemon goes, well, you have the gun, idiot. We didn't need to get out of the chopper. We could have just held him at gunpoint and told us to take us where we want to go. And they say, okay, fine. Get the chopper to come down. And they're waving for the chopper to come down. And the chopper explodes. And Jack Lemon and James Gardner go flying. Obviously stunt doubles. Well, before the chopper blew up, the pilots must have called the White House because the, the evil colonel says, be on the lookout because they know that the two presidents weren't on the chopper, and they're out there, and they are a problem. Now the two presidents are wandering through the woods. They're sniping at each other. I'm going to stop here and say this vehicle was originally for Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau. We all know them from all the great movies they made together. But Walter Matthau was sick. There was something wrong with him at the time. He couldn't make this movie, and James Gardner stepped in. And the chemistry between James Gardner and Jack Lemmon is just fantastic. If you just watched the movie, just watch the movie. That earlier scene with Jack Lemmon and Lauren Bacall, that was just two old Hollywood actors just acting together. That was nice, but the, the real... The real meat of the movie is Jack Lemmon and James Gardner and all of their interactions. You believe that they have been enemies for 30 years. You believe they need each other to get out of this. It rivals Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau. That's how good the chemistry was between them. And they're in the woods and they're trying to think about how they can prove that they're innocent. All the logs at the White House have been changed. 
they have no proof that it was Dan Aykroyd in the room taking the kickback and not Jack Lemmon. But then it hits Jack Lemmon. It hits him. How they can prove that they're innocent. Man, you are one cheap son of a bitch. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I am one cheap son of a bitch, and that's exactly what's going to save our backsides. I had the White House kitchen staff track every meal so I wouldn't go over budget. They have a complete record of everything served and to whom. You're even cheaper than I thought. Ah, oh, stow it, sailor. That log is going to prove that Haney was at that lunch with Reynolds. And it's not in the National Archives. It's at my presidential library in Ohio. So I just call the library and have them fax the records to a few key people. No, no, you can't call. Somebody wants us dead. When they find out we're not, they're going to come looking for us. That means they're going to be tapping some phones. Our home phones, our office phones. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I don't know. Well, how are we going to contact the library? Uh, it's a nice night to walk to Ohio. Walk to Ohio? We don't even know what state we're in. Come on, Grandpa. What'd you say? You heard me. Try to keep up with me, Buster. There is a small scene between Wilford Brimley and a reporter. She's asking where the presidents are. Wilford Brimley uh, says he doesn't know where they're at. She asks if they're working together. And he's like, over there, dead bodies. Now we cut back to a train station. And they wander to this train station. And while they're at this train station, they meet an Elvis impersonator. He comes out of the stall, and he thinks that they're two presidential impersonators. He doesn't think that they're the real presidents. Because they're on this train. There's this party train going. And they hired a bunch of impersonators. Marilyn Monroe, Elvis Presley. And now they think that those two are part of the crew to entertain the people and the train just happens to be going to Ohio so they get on the train they start schmoozing with the guests James Gardner finds a girl that he had sex with as president and she lets him know that he wasn't very good at it and that he's just crestfallen after he sees that then there's a bunch of younger people making fun of Jack Lemon. Not Jack Lemon, since they think he's a, uh, an impersonator, but the president that they think he was, they make fun. Because Jack Lemon, throughout this movie, is uh, like, our ideas are like our children. They need to be nurtured. And that's just a line that he just repeats over and over and over again. And these people make fun of them. So they get a little glimpse into how people thought of them as presidents. Well, while they're on the train, they pull into a station and they see the Secret Service men. So they're getting on the train. So the Secret Service men are starting at the back of the train and they're working their way forward on the train. Jack Lemon and James Gardner see this and they start going from car to car to car until they reach the last car. They both have to jump out of the train. Well, James Gardner pushes Jack Lemon out of the train and then he jumps out of the train. Now, once again, they're walking this movie would be kind of tedious because it's these two finding a mode of transportation, losing a mode of transportation, and then walking. Find transportation, lose transportation, walk. Find transportation, lose transportation, walk. It's a steady circle of that. And it would be kind of monotonous, except you enjoy the interplay between Jack Lemon and James Gardner. They find transportation, they lose it, they're walking, and they come across a truck stop, and they confront this female truck driver... And she says she'll take him to Ohio. That's where they're going. But Jack Lemon has to give her his watch that was given to him by Gorbachev. And he goes, there's only two watches like that in the world. And now she has one. They're driving. There's a helicopter that confronts them. And Jack Lemon and 
James Gardner think that, oh, great, they found us, but it's not. The truck driver, she was smuggling immigrants into the country, and it's immigration in the helicopter. And while the immigration helicopter is there, the helicopter that's after our presidents are there. And they sort of have a standoff in the air, and immigration says, you know, prove who you are, and they shoot a rocket across their bow, and they're like, we're out of here, we're gone. The presidents start running from the chopper, the chopper lands, and the Secret Service are all running around after them, and they hide in this drain pipe. And then one of the people from the truck was there. The guy's shivering, and James Gardner gives him his coat. And then the guy starts running away, and the Secret Service follow him because they think it's James Gardner because he's wearing James Gardner's coat. So that's how they're able to get away from the Secret Service this time. And we're back to the walking. They're walking once again. I love the interplay between Jack Lemon and uh, James Gardner. There's a lot of bickering. They get on each other's nerves. However, it's not all like that. They have great acting moments between them as well. What? 80 million. That's how many people voted against me the last time out. That's how many people didn't trust me, didn't like me, didn't say, who knows. I stayed in bed for a week and a half after they voted me out. Let's stop talking. We're about to bond. It'll make me vomit. Oh, why don't you go to hell? Now that's better. And they wander upon a campsite. And they see this family camping. And while they're camping, they steal the couple's car. And they're driving away. They're in the station wagon. They're heading for Ohio. They're heading for the evidence. And then they realize that there's a baby in the back of the station wagon. So they turn around and they get the family. And now the presidents are in the back of the station wagon with this family driving. And this is USA family. This family loves America. This family loves for what America stands for. They couldn't be happier driving these presidents around. They feel it's their civic duty. They're doing it because they love this country. That's the kind of couple, that's the kind of family that they have attached themselves with in this station wagon. They're on the road for a couple of days, and then the father makes a couple of stupid comments, such as uh, Mount Rushmore was made by nature, and he confuses George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. And James Gardner goes off on him. It's like, look, if you're going to teach your kids about America, teach them correctly so they know what's going on. And then Jack Lemmon gets into it as well, talking about how Everybody, 250 million people live in this country and they all want different things. The only thing they can agree upon is no taxes. That's the only thing they want. And the wife tells them that to get out of the car because thanks to when James Gardner was in office, her husband lost his job. And when Jack Lemon was in office, they lost their house. It's supposed to be a scene where the presidents are supposed to look at the little people in a different way and it's supposed to spark something in them which I can understand however I do have to agree teach your children about American history correctly 
As for politics, I know there's a lot of bad in politics, but I don't think for the most part, decisions are made. It just sucks when you're on the wrong side of a decision, but decisions have to be made. Sometimes you're on the right side of that decision. Sometimes you're on the wrong side of that decision. It's not just as cut and dry as you made the decision and I lost my house. You made the decision and I lost my job. It happens. It sucks. But these are not two inhuman beasts that did it just so these people would lose their jobs. That's what it looked like to me. It was just like they made all these decisions just affected this one family. And it sucks. But that's just how it is. That's just what we have to live with until something better comes along. All right. Well, okay. Excuse me, I'm going to step down from my high horse now, and let's get back on with the podcast. So they leave. They get out of the car, and they're back to walking. Find transportation, lose transportation, back to walking. James Gardner finally calls Wilford Brimley and says that they're okay. They're trying to get to Jack Lemmon's presidential library in Ohio. They're going to have evidence. And I'm going to admit, when he called Wilford Brimley at this moment, I'm like, oh, crap. Wilford Brimley's a bad guy. Because I've seen movies where he's playing this person. He plays the lovable old guy, and he turns out to be a bad guy. Right after he calls Wilford Brimley, his phone was tapped, and they know exactly where James Gardner is. And while James Gardner is on the phone, Jack Lemmon is in a diner. And he wants to get a piece of pie. He doesn't have enough money for the piece of pie. And the owner says, come on, take it, old man. Jack Lemon's like, old man. And he sees himself in his reflection. And he realizes that he is an old man. And maybe he should have done things differently. He gets all this after not getting a piece of pie. So James Gardner comes in and says, we got to go. And they leave. And they go across the street and they rent a car. They're the presidents. They rent a car. They're able to rent a car. And now they're going to drive a Hertz rent-a-car for the rest of the time to get to the presidential library. They have found transportation. They're bickering in the car, which is just a delight. I love it. We cut to Dan Aykroyd, one of the few scenes that Dan Aykroyd is in in this part of the movie. He is jogging with his chief of staff and John Hurd, and his chief of staff sort of leaves the president for a moment, sees the evil colonel, and says, Find him! So now he's pissed. And now the colonel is pissed because he can't find these two old presidents. It's making him look bad. They pull over to get some coffee, and while they're getting some coffee, the Secret Service find them. And they come up to the car and they say, Mr. President, you have to come with us. And Jack Lemon throws a hot cup of coffee onto his onto his lap well I guess he's standing onto his crotch and they drive away and while they're driving away they hit this pirate mascot and it falls on the car and it crushes a secret services car and they're laughing and they're driving and all of a sudden the fast food logo which looks surprisingly like jack-in-the-box a white head with a long nose they run into that, and it all and it goes through the windshield, and it almost runs James Gardner through, through his face. I guess they couldn't get Jack in the Box, but they got as close to Jack in the Box as they could. 
they push it off, they get it off the windshield, and they drive away. They're still, they haven't lost this mode of transportation yet. They're driving. And did I say they haven't lost that transportation yet? Because they lose that transportation. Well, they don't lose it, but they're, while they're driving, they run into a gay pride parade. So now they're walking in the gay pride parade. They come across these trombone players dressed as Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. One, the, the Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz, he gives Jack Lemon a friendship necklace or a friendship bracelet, something like that. And Jack Lemon takes it, and James Gardner's like, can anybody help us get out of there? And he's like, I think I know somebody. And now we cut to James Gardner and Jack Lemon. They are with Dykes with Bikes. The Dykes with Bikes chopper game. And they're driving them to Ohio. And they're both hanging on for dear life on these giant lesbians. And they finally get to the presidential library. And they find the chef's log. And it's been changed all this all, you know, all these car chases, all these adventures, all this near-death experiences for nothing. They get there, and it's been changed. And while this is happening, the security guard walks in, and James Gardner knocks him out with the book. We cut to them nursing him back to health. And they say that there was a letter delivered for Jack Lemon, And it was from James Gardner's secretary. And it says all the people, and it mentions... Dan Aykroyd's chief of staff. And they're like, that son of a bitch. He's the one who must set us up because he was one of the last ones that knew where we were. So it has to be him. They take the security guard's car. Fine transportation. They take the security guard's car and they drive to the chief of staff's home. He's in bed having sex with a lady. They confront him with a gun. They kidnap him and they take him to Wilford Brimley's house. And it turns out Wilford Brimley's a good guy. He ain't a bad guy, which I was happy to see. I like it when Wilford Brimley's a good guy. And Wilford Brimley helps interrogate the chief of staff by blindfolding him. And the chief of staff thinks he's going to be injected with truth serum, but it's not. It's just Wilford Brimley with a knitting, a knitting, not a knitting needle, a sewing needle. And the minute he begins to prick his, because he's blindfolded, the, the chief of staff. He doesn't know what's going on. And the minute that he's about to prick his skin, he's like, okay, I confess. We were trying to blame you guys for the kickback. Okay? But I had nothing to do with trying to kill you. Okay? We wanted to blame you for the kickback. The president did it. We know you were innocent. They taped this confession that while Dan Aykroyd was the vice president, he took kickbacks and it wasn't Jack Lemmon. And he realizes that... After they get the confession, well, we could take it to the press. And if we took it to the press, Dan Aykroyd could, could he could deny it and he could even get out of it. Because there's always a scandal in Washington. There's always wiggle room. What we need to do is we need to confront Dan Aykroyd head on. And at this point, they think, well, if... The chief of staff, if he didn't order us to be killed, then it was obviously Dan Aykroyd as president ordered them to be killed. But they still want to go confront him. They want to confront him with the evidence. It's like, I want to take this evidence. I want to show it to them. They both do. I want to take this evidence. I want to do something grand, something I I didn't do as president. This is what James Gardner is saying. I was a wishy-washy president. I want to make a stand and I want to confront him. And Jack Lemmon's like, you know what? I am with you. They get to the White House 
And they're driven in by the chef because the chef was there when they were both presidents and she agrees to get them back. It's really... I just hope the real White House doesn't have as lax security as this movie portrays it. I don't think it does, but this the White House in this movie has very, very poor security. Because the two presidents get in with the chef, and they're spotted immediately, and there's a tour going by. they like, you know what we'll do? We'll lead the tour. So they run up to the tour. They're like, oh, it's the presidents. Yes, we're going to lead the tour. And while they're leading the tour, the social, the social security, the secret service, social security, man, I need some of that. The brain is going. The secret service start chasing them through the White House. And at one point, James Gardner and Jack Lemon, they barricade themselves in one of the bedrooms and are just waiting for security to come and break the door in. While they're waiting, they see that Dan Aykroyd is on the South Lawn. He's making a, a speech. They need to get to him, but they don't know how until Jack Lemon says, I think somebody said this room had a secret passage. James Gardner's like, yeah, I remember that. I used this when I was cheating on my wife as president. They, they really, in this movie, they really gloss over the fact that James Gardner was a philanderer during his presidency. His, you know, he was married at the time he was president, and obviously he had tons of affairs when he was president. And we hear at the beginning of the movie that he's getting divorced. He's getting divorced because he's not president anymore. The wife put up with the affairs while she was first lady. When she's not first lady, she ain't putting up with that shit. And I think that's the point they were trying to get across. Well, anyway, they take a sword off the wall and they cut they cut the wallpaper and they find the secret door and they start running through these secret passages. And while they're running through these secret passages, the evil colonel confronts them and he's about to shoot them. But Jack Lemon had the sword, the sword they used to cut the wallpaper. He had it in his hand and the colonel didn't see it. And he uses it to cut the colonel's hand. He drops the gun. James Gardner lays him out with one punch and they start running again. So we're back on the run. They come out of the tunnel. They're on the wrong side of the White House. The president's on the south lawn. They're on the north lawn, something like that. And when they come out of this this tunnel, there's a couple of security on horseback. As presidents, they run, they grab the horses, and they just start <laughs> hauling ass all the way to the to where the president is speaking. There's a lot of long shots because it's obviously not Jack Lemon and James Gardner on these horses however they try a couple of shots they try to impose their faces and it just looks bad i watched this copy on a vhs and i could tell how bad it is if there's a blu-ray version of this it is going to be totally totally noticeable that those are superimposed faces on bodies but anyway they're riding through the grounds and the evil colonel gets the swat team out and they're like, these are not the presidents. These are imposters. There's a sniper on the roof, and he's about to take a shot at the president. And he sees the friendship bracelet that he that was given to him at the gay pride parade. So it turns out the sniper was Dorothy from the gay pride parade. He sees that. He knows that they're the real presidents. And he shoots the evil colonel instead. I don't know how that works without orders, but that's how it went. They finally get to Dan Aykroyd. They confront him with the tape, and they tell him that we won't take this to the press if you resign. And that's what he does. He resigns. We see him on the TV. 
he's going to resign because of a bad heart. That's what he says. And that's what James Gardner and Jack Lemmon wanted. He didn't want him to try to fight it. He just agreed to step down. And they're in the kitchen and they're having pizza with the chef. And then they realize that it was all John Hurd. It was all John Hurd, the vice president. He wanted to be president. So he set all this up. He realized that if the president took kickback, he could either expose him or the pre he could expose that the president tried to have the uh, president's... It was an elaborate plot. Let me put it like this. But it was all John Hurd. John Hurd was the one who tried to get the presidents killed. It was John Hurd was calling the shots. And now John Hurd is going to be president. And the two presidents confront him. And he says, yeah, I did it. But there's no evidence against me. There's nothing you can do about it. I wasn't involved in the scandal. The person I gave orders to is dead. There's no way you can trace me back to giving orders to kill you. And Jack Lemmon and... James Gardner are walking out. They taped him. They taped John Hurd's confession. And now they have it. And they realize that if they give the tape to CNN, the next president of the Speaker of the House, and the Speaker of the House in 1996 was Newt Gingrich. <sighs> They're at the end. They know they did what they could. Even if they kick John Hurd out of the presidency, what's going to happen? Will he be replaced by somebody better? You know, even Newt Gingrich takes over. Whatever. And they're exhausted, and once again, they have a moment together. You know something? I gotta tell you, uh, after going through this whole thing, I've realized I really don't like you. No kidding. But that, that, that isn't exactly what I wanted to say. It, it, the thing is, I don't like you. But I think I'm gonna... Uh, I miss you. I, if we hadn't spent the last 30 years hating each other's guts, why, we might have been friends. Yeah. I, I think I'll stop there because I feel the goat cheese pizza backing up on me. And they're both driving away separately in their limos, and they're talking about their adventures. And then they sort of both realize independently, each in their own limo, that they didn't do all they could as presidents. And if they worked together, maybe they could get some stuff done. Cut to a couple of months later, John Hurd has been arrested. He was a sitting president that's been arrested. So that's fiction. That's never going to happen in our lifetime where a president gets arrested. But he's put in jail, and it's election time, and we see that James Gardner and Jack Lemmon, they're going to run its independence. And we get our last look at Lauren Bacall. Once again, nice little scene between her and Jack Lemmon. And they haven't decided who's going to be president and who's going to be vice president. And they both want to be president, and neither one wants to be vice president. At the end of the movie, while they're fighting over the microphone, James Gardner throws some money on the ground and says, Did you drop that? And Jack Lemon's like, yeah, I dropped that. So even in this tight conversation, he couldn't help being cheap. And he bends down to pick it up, and James Gardner steps in front of the mic and says, my fellow Americans, and you can just hear Jack Lemon go, you son of a, and that's when the movie ends.
And that was my fellow Americans. It's a lot of great acting by a lot of great actors. From what I've said throughout the podcast, it's pretty find transportation, lose transportation, walk. Find transportation, lose transportation, walk. It's like that through most of the movie. And it could get quite tedious if it wasn't for Jack Lemmon and James Gardner. They make this movie. Dan Aykroyd does a great job as the president. You believe him as a sort of sleazy president. I wish he was in the movie more. I wish he had more to do with the plot. But he's in it at the beginning and then a very, very little at the end. More Dan Aykroyd would have helped this. I think his character he played in this movie, I would have liked it if it actually was him and wasn't John Hurd. And I would like to see Dan Aykroyd plotting to get these presidents. It would have been, I think that would have been nice. John Hurd does a great job as playing an imbecile who wasn't really an imbecile. All in all, it's a, I would say a nostalgic movie about old actors doing great jobs. James Gardner, Jack Lemmon, Lauren Bacall, Wilford Brimley. It's just nice to see them. It was nice to see them on the screen. I'm not going to rewatch this movie every year. That's not one of these movies. This is one of these movies where you pull out, when you feel nostalgic, you pull this movie out and you see, oh, you know what, that's what it was like you know, when, when two old pros got together. And that's my fellow Americans. I want to thank you guys for listening to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. If you want to support this podcast, listen uh, to this upcoming announcement. Thank you guys, and we'll see you next time. To support this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash scottwhite and give what you're able. If you're listening on iTunes, please give a review. That should help people find this podcast. And no matter what services you use to listen, please leave feedback. We always want to improve. Thank you for listening to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. Daddy? No, no, princess. Only a pessimist would resign. It's the pessimists that want you to resign, isn't it, Daddy? Yes, that's right. I'm an optimist. Remember when I was visiting that army hospital in Vietnam? There was a young man there, a young enlisted man from Des Moines, Iowa. He'd been hit in the eye with a surface-to-air missile. Now, this boy only had four pints of blood left in his body. Now, as you know, a man normally has eight pints in his body. Now the pessimists in this country would say that that boy was half empty. Well, I like to think that he was half full. That's right, Mr. President. You know, I was talking to two reporters from the Washington Post this morning, and they said they, they, said they thought you were half crazy, but I told them I like to think of you as half sane. <laughs>